Zoom recorders have featured on several episodes of this podcast for good reason. There's a versatile range of them, they're great quality, and a few can even be controlled via a smartphone app, giving blind users some degree of independent access to configuration options. We've given you audio walkthroughs of a few of the recorders to help you get up to speed. But there have been frustrations and limitations. We haven't had the ease or totality of access sighted people have when simply holding the recorder in their hands, until now that is. Zoom has announced the Essential series. There's a lot to like, and we'll cover plenty of it, but from a blind person's point of view, the very big deal is that these recorders speak their menus out of the box. Perhaps it's an overused phrase these days, but this truly is a game-changer for blind content creators. And it significantly lowers the barrier to entry for blind people who don't create content with professional digital recorders now, but would like to. So to talk us through the Zoom Essential series, I'm delighted to be joined by Samuel Green at Zoom North America. And if you, like me, are an audio geek, you'll recognize Samuel's voice from YouTube because he's pretty prominent there. Samuel, it is a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I am so happy to be here talking with you, Jonathan, especially about this topic. Just before we get to that topic, I'm interested to learn a bit about you. I know that you've been with Zoom for quite a while now. What do you do at Zoom and what's your background? My title is Director of Product Development and Customer Support. I do several things. I am in contact very closely with our engineers who are based in Japan and Tokyo. And the purpose of those conversations is both to develop new product that we're making the best product we can as well as issues and updates that we need to do for um, existing products. Um, On top of that, I attend trade shows and I do some trainings um, for our dealers who sell our products to make sure they're knowledgeable about it. But I think most of all, I try to use our product knowledge to the best way we can for sales and marketing. Because it's one thing to have a great product, but we have to make sure that people are aware and know how to use those products. Um, And so, and obviously part of that is um, YouTube videos um, where we do introductions of new products, um, but also try to get into some deeper features. Um, And then really the development of all the marketing content we use um, on our website and uh, actually worldwide at our office at Zoom North America, we create a lot of the marketing content that uh, you see around the world. So were you tinkering with audio before you came to Zoom? Yeah, so I, so I've been here for um, uh, actually it's fast approaching eleven years, but but ten years under the belt. And I was a student in audio engineering before that, where I was focused almost exclusively on music, and then graduated and started here at Zoom. And one of the things that's been so fun for me is going beyond just music into all of the various you know places audio is used in film and podcasting and all that. And, uh, you know, seeing how different people take the same product and use it and uh, is, is always a blast. And um, I enjoy the opportunities when I get to talk to users who actually use these products because, you know, I don't want to be in a bubble here where, you know, I think the way I would use this product is the only way because that is a, certainly a minority of how people would use the product. And I, I like to know how everybody wants to use them. It's difficult to overstate the significance of the accessibility breakthrough in the new Zoom Essential series. How is it that Zoom has come to include these spoken menus? You must obviously have some awareness that there are blind content creators out there. We do. And, you know, we've we've heard from that community for a long time. 
both people that like yourself who have found ways to use them to the best of their abilities, um, but also people who are trying to use some of the ones that are less accessible and wishing that they were. So we've heard it for a long time and we did uh, have one other product where we kind of pushed in this direction, um, which was the R20, where we went uh, into the remote app you could use with that and tried to make all the features work with the built-in iOS accessibility features. But that wasn't standalone hardware. And we always knew that that was, you know, a limited use case for accessibility. And so this Essential series, the H1 Essential, H4 Essential, H6 Essential, are replacing, you know, our most popular recorders. And obviously, you know, we knew we wanted to go big with that, especially if we're going to do all three at the same time. And the stars align that it was, this is the right time for us to finally put this system into standalone hardware. The previous H series has been around for a while, right? Yeah, I mean, the uh, the original H4 goes back to 2007, and the original H6 was 2013. So that product was out for 10 years, and, uh, you know, we're just replacing it. And the H1, similarly, back in 2009, was the original H1. So, yeah, I mean, these these are products that we've updated before, but the updates here are are big and really turn these three products into a family. One of the first things that we have to contend with as blind content creators is getting the recorder out of the box and you've got to set the date and time and not a lot can happen until you do that and that's not accessible. It hasn't been in the past. Will it be possible for a blind person to take one of the Zoom Essential series recorders out of its box, switch it on and get going without sighted assistance at all? So yes, when you uh, purchase one of these products, you take it out of the box, you put the batteries in it for the first time and you turn it on. The first thing that happens is it asks if you want to turn the accessibility system on with the prompts to guide you through the couple of settings that are in there um, so that you can turn that system on. And then it goes to the date and time. So from step one of buying the product and turning it on, accessibility can be activated. I mean, that's pretty cool that the thing comes up talking and actually it's a sighted person who has to opt out of it talking. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, it's it's the way it has to be because the point of this system is to allow anybody to use these recorders right away. And so, it you know, it wasn't an option. That was the way it has to be. I understand there are three choices at that initial startup screen. Is that correct? You've got vocal prompts, you've got beeps, and then the whole thing just is off. Correct. Right. You could turn the system off. You could turn it um, on with voice and beep or beep only. How comprehensive are the spoken menus? Is every option accessible? Yes. Every menu you go into, every adjustment you make um, from your headphone volume to your mixer adjustments, everything has either a voice or in the case of headphone a volume adjustment or something like that beeps. And, you know, beyond just, you know, a single beep you could hear. Um, there are different tones for up and down, and obviously you'll hear the volume of those beeps go up and down as you make that adjustment. Do you have one of the recorders connected at the moment so people can hear that? I do. So what I'll do is um, I'm going to go to my accessibility menu. I'm going to go to guide sounds and click English plus beep, and we will hear it turn on. Guide sound. Battery level medium. Rec standby. So what you just heard there um, was me going back to the main menu, which can be done by hitting the stop button, whatever menu you're in. Hit the stop button and it will bring you back to the main screen. 
And every time you go to that main screen, you get that status readout with um, with your record status as well as your battery status. Are those prompts actually pre-recorded prompts or do you have a text-to-speech engine in the device? I'll be honest. I don't know the answer to that. Okay. So can you speed the audio up and slow it down? Or is that one speed you're showing us now, the one speed that there is? Uh, Speed-wise, there is only the one speed available. All right. Is there anything about the recorder that isn't accessible then? Um, no. I mean, I've, you know, you, you arm your tracks, you get an audible beep. You, um, you go in the mixer and you make your adjustments. There, there is no menu you can go into that you lose the functionality. Yeah, I read about the mixer on the website. Can we talk a bit about that and its purpose in the context of the Essential series? Sure. And I'm going to take one step back to explain why these have this mixer because it's one of the buttons on, you know, on the front of the unit. Um, and, and this is specific to the H4 Essential and H6 Essential being that they're more than just the stereo recorder. Um, the H1 Essential being just stereo doesn't need the mixer. But in the previous models, you had gain adjustments. You know, on the H6, you had four knobs for your four inputs plus a knob for the microphones on top. On the H4, you had a button to select the track and then a rocker switch to adjust the gain. And that was the main way people would adjust the volume of their recordings. These new recorders record 32-bit float audio. Uh, and we can kind of go more into the benefits of that if you'd like. But the, the main thing about it is you don't set the gain at all. You plug in your inputs, you point the mics, and you hit record. And you will cannot clip. You cannot record too low and not be able to raise the volume in post-production without, um, you know, adding a bunch of noise. So the gain adjustment being unnecessary, there is still the point that you may want to adjust the mix you're hearing in your headphones. And that's where the mixer comes in um, primarily. So you hit the mixer button. Microphone. Input. One. Input. Two. You go to, to the input you'd like to adjust. Zero. Minus four, minus six, minus eight. And you can go up and down as you'd like to adjust um, that channel in the mixer. Uh, leave that one. Input one. Go to your next uh, channel and adjust there. So that mixer allows you to adjust everything you're going to um, hear in your headphones. If you're outputting to a camera, it will also affect the mix going out to that. And I'll tell you one other feature. You do have the option to select post-mixer recording. Um, that option can be found in record settings and a setting in there called record source. And there's a pre-mixer and post-mixer option in there. And if you pick post-mixer, the adjustments you make in that mixer will be reflected in the audio recorded to the SD card. And therefore, it's kind of like saving your mix. But with 32-bit float, it does not matter what you do in that mixer. You can raise or lower the volume as much as you want in post-production. For example, you could turn every channel on the mixer all the way down. You bring that file into your computer. It looks like there's absolutely nothing there. You, you know, or raise the volume 70 dB and the audio sounds exactly as it would have if you hadn't turned down that fader while recording. I think that 32-bit float is also an accessibility feature that's kind of a byproduct of 32-bit float because it means that a blind person or also a blind person who might have a hearing impairment actually can record in the field and not worry at all about levels. They don't have to be concerned if they're clipping they don't need to do a test recording and they can fix it all in post-production in Reaper or whatever technology that they're using afterwards. 
And that's actually why I swapped out my H6 and I had all the mic capsules and everything for an <laughs> F6 because I thought that the 32-bit float was just such a significant accessibility feature for blind people. You are 100% right. And for everybody, the more simple you can make the recording process, obviously, the better. But um, I think especially for the blind community, taking out settings you need to do before recording is a natural way to make the whole process easier and avoiding mistakes is something that benefits absolutely everyone. Let's talk about the three models, the H6 Essential, the H4 Essential, the H1 Essential, and go through some of their unique characteristics and why people might want a particular unit. We'll start at the H6 with the biggest one. The H6 Essential is a six-track recorder. So you've got stereo microphones up top, they are part of an interchangeable capsule system. So there is a little latch that you can release, remove those microphones, and we will have additional capsules available that you can then attach to the H6. Um, and I'll give you a little preview of, of what we got coming in the coming months. Uh, one of those capsules is going to be a mono and stereo shotgun. It's a stereo shotgun. You are able to turn the side mic off and which turns it into a mono shotgun so it can be used in both ways and the other is going to be called the EXH6E and that capsule will have two additional XLR TRS inputs you can use with the option of phantom power available if you're able to provide power through a USB-C port on that capsule. These capsules are brand new for this recorder, the H6 Essential. You cannot use capsules from the previous H6 right. with it and vice versa. And that is mainly because of the 32-bit float system um, and needing to update the hardware to make it fully compatible with that. Is it a relatively lightweight device? How does it differ in profile and, I guess, texture from the venerable H6 that we've all come to know? <laughs> it is uh, nearly identical in size. Um, and very similar in weight. The overall design, having the mics up top, the four inputs, two on each side towards the top of the unit. There are no gain dials on the front face of the unit, and that area is just uh, the arming buttons for each of your inputs. With your transport controls under that, the transport controls are different from the previous H6. Um, however, they are in the same spot. And then the screen um, is angled at the bottom, just like the previous unit. The headphone output and line output and the power switch have all moved. So even for myself, I find myself reaching for the wrong place um, for the power switch pretty often. But, you know, different locations for all those functions, but they're all still there. And what's the price in the U.S. for the H6 Essential? So in the U.S., the H6 Essential is $299.99. Now, I do want to ask you, we've had a few questions come in on the Blind Podmaker group, and for anybody who's not on that who would like to be, we've been talking about the Zoom Essential series a lot there, and I kind of outsourced this interview a bit, and I said to people on the Blind Podmaker group, what do you want to know? So if you want to subscribe to that, you can do so by sending a blank email to creators-subscribe at theblindpodmaker.com. One of our members there said that he thinks there's been the loss of a feature in the new H6 Essential in that the previous one did overdubbing and the new one does not. Is that correct? That is correct. In the menu of the old H6, you were able to go in to an overdubbing mode where you were able to you know, record on, you know, say, track three and then move the input to track four and then record on that one and so on and re-record over some tracks. 
that functionality is gone from the current H6 Essential. And why is that? Uh, we came out with another product called the R4 recently, and um, that one does not have the accessibility system in it but is a very full-featured four-track recorder um, with two inputs and a bounce track. So you're able to record four tracks, bounce, record four, and bounce again. Oh, boy, like an old Porter Studio. <laughs> like, yeah. Just exactly like an old Porter Studio, but yeah. with uh, you know no no sort of saturation and no limit. <laughs> and non-destructive. You could, when you bounce, all your individual files are still saved and everything. Yep. And it's a really fun product to use, and it's a great implementation of you know multi-tracking. And we found in the H-series... Because um, the multi-tracking is also gone from the H4 Essential, which was in the previous H4 model. The features for multi-tracking in these products were never great. And now that we've made a product that does really great multi-tracking in the size and at a, a similar price point, um, we've decided that these products are going to move towards straight recording. If I read the blurb correctly, it is still in the H1 Essential, is that right? The H1 Essentials still does have an overdub mode where once you record a file, you can go uh, into the menu, into the overdub mode, and layer audio on top of each other um, endlessly. Uh, there is a volume adjustment in that mode to allow you to adjust the volume of you know the different dubs that you do. And so that that is there on the H1 Essential. And continuing our tour through the range, the H4 Essential, the 4 means fewer inputs. Correct, yeah. So you go from 4 um, XLR TRS inputs to 2, um, and those are on the bottom of the unit. And then the two microphones on top of the unit are fixed. They are not removable, so those are always there. And you can record those four tracks all together at the same time. One thing I'll take the opportunity to mention now are um, a couple other features on all three of these, which is that... The SD card limit has been increased to a terabyte on all three of the recorders. At 32-bit float, 48 kilohertz, you can get about 40 minutes of audio per gig um, of stereo audio. So, um, you know, extrapolate that out, and, and on a terabyte, you can get hundreds of hours of recording on, on these recorders, um, which is a great update, especially the H1 and the H4 having a 32 gigabyte limit in the previous models. Um, could be limiting. Um, yeah. And the other is um, these all can act as an audio interface to record directly into your computer. And the interesting part in the upgrade that we've done, because that was a function in the old units, is that you can record to the SD card at the same time as using it as an audio interface. And, you know, one application for that is live streaming and being able to record a backup. But I think the one that's a little more interesting to me is you can audio interface to your phone and you can open up a video recording app and use the Essential Series recorder as the audio input for there. But those video recording apps are probably going to be 24-bit audio, so the potential for clipping is there. But you can record a 32-bit flow backup on the SD card that you know didn't clip so if something does happen to the audio on the video, you have this backup that you can go and sync up and you'll have the audio. And from a podcasting point of view, I do live in fear of some sort of power cut causing my computer to reboot in the middle of the great interview like this one Samuel, and, <laughs> and everything disappearing. So that's another reason why you might want to connect a Zoom Essential recorder and, and have that backup recording away. And 48 kilohertz isn't the uppermost sampling rate supported. You can do up to 96 kilohertz sample rate. Okay. Um, I'll take the opportunity to mention one other feature, which is called uh, normalize, which 
Um, for those not familiar with what normalizing is, when you normalize, you set a target peak. Um, say that's negative three dBFS. And you apply the normalize to a track um, or a file, and it will bring the peak of that audio to negative three. That could be in the up direction or the down direction, and then changes the volume of the entire audio file um, relative to that. So there's no compression happening to the audio, but you are able to set the peak. So in the units, there's an export function where you hit play, you're, you're in playback for a file, you go to export. And on top of that normalizing feature, which can be very helpful, there is an option to turn the export into a 24-bit file or a 16-bit file if you were looking in the hardware to be able to downgrade that 32-bit float. But I will mention now that every DAW and video editing software um, is able to accept these files. Many people are already running 32-bit float sessions, so that's great. But you could even load those files into a 24-bit session. And if for some reason the audio is clipped, it means that the mix engine is getting clipped and you could lower the volume on you know, the 32-bit float file you brought in and the audio will be clean. Um, you just need to bring it down into the dynamic range of that mix. Question about the audio interface function. Does it just show up as a stereo source or does each channel appear as its own track? You have both options. Um, you can select stereo, um, which is better for streaming applications, or you could choose multi-track, which if you're recording into a DAW, probably the one you'd go with. In the PodTrack series, which is also very popular in the blind community, particularly the P4, I mean, there are a lot of blind people out there with P4s. <laughs> it's exceptional value for money. Uh, there is the ability to do loopback. Is that something that would ever come to the Essential series and the audio interface part of this? So there is not currently a loopback function in the audio interface of these uh, recorders, uh, but potentially something that could happen in the future. And I will ask more about the future in a little bit, but let's just make sure we cover the H1 Essential as well, which uh, is a nice little recorder for many people to have. It may be all they require. The H1 Essential is so small and easy to carry around. It's it's incredible. Um, and for those familiar with the um, previous H1N, the size of the, of the H1 Essential is um, the same with the exclusion of the cage that was around the microphones on the top. Um, so imagine you just took that cage off an H1N. That's the size of the H1 Essential. It is small. You put two AAA batteries in it. You throw in your SD card. You've got the microphone, the two stereo microphones built on top. Um, one of the interesting features in the H1 Essential for me is uh, there's a button to change it from a stereo to a mono pickup which is great if you're just picking up dialogue. There is a marker button right um, on the front of the unit. So while you're recording, if you're looking to put markers on that recording, um, that button is there for you at all times. Um, you've got the overdubbing feature like we talked about before, but there's some other interesting features like playback speed adjustment, which is great if you're looking to transcribe or, or uh, anything like that. It's so small and easy to use, especially with the 32-bit float um, recording now. It's just a joy to always have with you and, and to use. Well, that sounds like a great recorder for a journalist, for example, a broadcast journalist who might just want something very easy to carry. And you've got the 32-bit float, so what can go wrong? And it's all just self-contained. Absolutely. And, and one other thing that some might find interesting on there is there is a 3.5-millimeter um, mic line input that will override the microphones. But if you're looking to record with a lav mic as opposed to the mics up top, 
Um, you could plug a lav mic in there. It can provide plug-in power if the lav needs that. And um, it's, it turns into a little pocket lav recorder. And what's your vision for how these products might expand in the future? Because you can upgrade the software of the Zoom products. So we may see features down the track. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're always got our ear out there for things that people are requesting. You know, on the one hand, bug fixes, which, you know, you hope for no bugs, but they do occur on occasion. So we try to push out fixes for those as soon as we can. We've always got kind of a running list of, you know, the wish list people have out there. And, you know, unfortunately, it's we're never able to implement everything, but we, we try to implement some major features as as the products go along. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that you might find in these um, as far as big feature updates. They haven't even really gotten in the hands of the public yet. Um, and I'm, I'm sure the public will have some thoughts and I can't wait to hear them. But, you know, in their current state, you know, they're they're working very well and easy to use. So if there's some great features that we'll add, uh, you know, we hope to hear from you and uh, and we hope to implement them. Right. And presumably the update process is going to be fully accessible as well. So that's really great because sometimes remembering the key presses and verifying that the update has actually applied has been a challenge in the past. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some of our products in the past, the firmware update would be done by holding a button while powering on. Um, in these units, you go into the um, software version menu and select um, update once you've put the update file on the SD card. And so navigating to that menu, um, you know, is fully accessible. So I'm jumping around a bit, but I, I, I did ask you about the price of the H6 Essential, but not the other two. So what are the pricing for those <laughs> other two units? Surely. So um, fairly easy to remember, at least for me, H1 Essential is $99.99 in the US, H4 Essential is $199.99, and the H6 Essential is $299.99. Now, understandably, I've had questions from the Blind Podmaker community about whether older devices might be upgraded to talk. And the unfortunate answer to that is no. And the reason being is there was quite a bit that went into the system. It required a little bit of extra hardware, some storage space, as well as some extra hardware as far as audio circuitry goes. So it's not a system that we are able to put into older products um, as, as much as that's something we would love to do. However, you know, it, it was a technical hurdle to implement the system, you know, in terms of software development time. And, you know, in, in total, it, it, it took about 25% of the total software development just to do the accessibility system, you know, on, on top of all the other functions in the, in the recorder. So that hurdle is jumped. And so it, it should be easier for us to put this kind of system into future products. I mean, that is a significant dedication of resources, 25% to a feature like this. So that is great to think that the platform may now have been established. Can we talk about the languages that this voice guidance is available in? Surely. So when you purchase the unit out of the factory, it is English only. The additional languages that are available, um, oh, let's see if I can remember them off the top of my head, Spanish, Italian, French, Chinese, Japanese, German, English. I think I got them all. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, the other languages other than English on the website, it's called the support and downloads page, which is something you could find on the individual product pages. So you got an H6 Essential, you want to install the you know, German language, go to the H6 Essential page, go to support and downloads, and those other language files will be there for download. 
you put those onto the SD card, and then you navigate to the accessibility menu in the unit. Obviously, you know, out of the box, it will only be doing that in English. And in that menu, there is a install language file option. And so you can install that, and then it turns it into your other language. I'm sure that you will be very interested in hearing how blind content creators get on with these recorders once they start reaching people's hands, because this feature, it just doesn't magically appear. It's something you've been working on for a while, and finally you get to put it in people's hands, and that must be a good feeling. Absolutely. And the journey isn't over for us. We know that there are improvements we can make to the system. And I'll clue you into one that anybody that buys um, these products um, and tries to use the accessibility system will become apparent very quickly, um, which is that there is no quick way to turn the guide voice on and off. And it was the first comment we heard from multiple of, of the first blind people that we gave one of these recorders to to try out was how do I turn it off very quickly? And then once it's off, how am I supposed to turn it back on? And I, I had to teach, scroll down six, hit enter, scroll down five, you know, the whole bit. It's something that we'll absolutely be able to implement is some sort of shortcut to turn the guide voice on and off. And it's something I think you'll definitely be seeing in the first update we have for these recorders. Um, and that's just one thing. I know there are going to be more, and we absolutely want to hear about them because you know we want to make sure the system is the best it could be. What is the use case for a blind content creator wanting to turn it off? I th- so, and this is what's been told to me. But once you really learn the recorder well, and you're you're just going through the motions of you know just hitting record and hitting stop and arming a couple tracks and hitting record where you're not going into any menus that, you know, having the readouts coming out is a little annoying in those Mm. cases when, you know, we're not actually trying to navigate through anything. So every time we go to the main screen, you know, we don't need that status readout um, where, you know, we're just arming buttons. We don't need the beeps right now. So does it talk at you in any instance when you're recording or playing? Good question. So you can hear the guide voice from either the built-in speaker, um, which all three of these products have a built-in speaker that you can hear, or through the headphones. While recording, if you have headphones plugged in, you will continue to hear the guide voice. If you are using the built-in speaker, the second you hit record, it will turn off the accessibility until you stop recording. And that includes, if you're wearing headphones and you hit record, there's a beep um, to let you know that you hit the button. But if you don't have um, headphones plugged in, you will not hear that beep because we don't want that beep to get picked up in microphones and potentially in a recording that you didn't want it there. Right. I have a little M2 mic track and it makes I've had it making a very loud beep when you start recording, which is reassuring to me. But it does come across the recording as well because it's not intended for accessibility. It's intended for movie syncing, I think. So that's that's good to know that that's been addressed. When you are moving through the files that you've created on the recorder, does it speak the file names as you go through? It does. And you are not able to change file names. So the file names appear as date and time of recording. And you are able to adjust um, how you want that format to be. But by default, um, it is year, month, date, followed by time in um, in 24-hour format. Well, I'm looking forward to receiving all three units and putting them through their paces in a podcast episode to come very shortly. But 
I'm sure that many in the blind community would want me to thank you and everybody at Zoom for this game-changing development. There's a lot of excitement in our community about it. And we really look forward to the Essential series and what comes next as well in future devices. And we are so looking forward to it too. Releasing new products is, you know, one of the most fun things we get to do. And having people find out about them, find out about the updates and the upgrades and hearing the feedback. And so so one thing I'm gonna do here is is tell everybody listening my email address, which is S Green G R E E N E at Zoom, Z-O-O-M, dash, or hyphen, uh, N-A, as in North America, dot com. So sgreen at Zoom dash N-A dot com. And um, I say that because I invite everybody who um, happens to get one of these recorders, or beforehand, if you have a question, that's fine too. But feedback is the only way we can make things better. And so I invite everybody to provide some feedback if they have any, and obviously no, no promises for for perfection in implementing everything everybody could ever want, but we still want to hear it because that is how we know what is going on out there with creation. Brilliant. Samuel, it's been a pleasure to get to know you throughout this process. Thank you so much for all that you and Zoom have achieved with the Zoom Essential series. Jonathan, thank you so much for helping us get the word out and um, uh, all excitement all around. And uh, I can't wait to continue the conversation.